How are we going to pick this season's crop without our usual influx of migrant workers? The sector needs 90,000 rolls filled every single year. Can anything replace the summer shows that have fallen victim to coronavirus? But we were just determined that we wanted to deliver all of that content for the industry. So we're taking it all online. That's Olivia Cooper from Cereals. We'll also speak to one man who's creating a whole new agricultural show. So many people in our community, the agricultural community, are missing out on those quite essential um, opportunities to meet up and chatter and all the rest of it. Um, So I figured, well, maybe we could try and do it online. David Hill from The Greatest Online Agricultural Show. More from David and Olivia later on on today's farming programme, as well as our regular Sean Sparling with some sound agronomy advice and a good look at the markets with Kit Dickinson from Openfield. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you're keeping well, coping okay and staying safe. I'm Steve Orchard. Is this summer's shortage of labour inevitable? Or is there a solution? We'll hear from Stephanie Morell from Charity Concordia about their Feed the Nation programme in a moment. First, let's have a look at this week's farming headlines. The Lincolnshire Rural Support Network, LRSN, have adapted their services in response to the coronavirus pandemic. Although they've suspended their outreach programme and they won't be able to offer help face-to-face, their free confidential helpline is staffed every day from 8 till 6 with volunteers from rural and agricultural backgrounds ready to help with advice, emotional or practical, or just to lend an open ear. The number is 0800 138 1710. Give you that again at the end of the programme. The spread of COVID 19 in the UK and its impact on the red meat supply chain is complex and far reaching, according to the latest market commentary. Farmgate prices for prime sheep collapsed last week, although early sales this week suggest a small upward movement. Prime cattle prices have held steady, although there is concern that this may not continue. May's milk price from First Milk will be held at 26.75 pence a litre and a new online service capturing British farmers' issues relating to coronavirus has been launched by the NFU. The platform aims to build a picture of the fast-moving impact of the virus on farmers and growers and it will inform the NFU's intention to lead a national response for government representing all of UK agriculture and horticulture. You can find details on nfuonline.com. Now, we've spoken in the past about the inevitable shortage of people coming into the industry in the weeks ahead. First, it was Brexit, now coronavirus. Who's going to pick the crops this year? Charity Concordia, working with other partners, may have some answers. CEO Stephanie Morell joins us on the phone. Stephanie, tell us first, if you would, a little bit about Concordia. Concordia is a charity born um, as a country at the end of the Second World War. So in 1943, we came into being to build bridges between nationalities and soldiers that were in the UK at that time and to try and harvest crops when all of the, the people that could have done it, all the Brits, had gone off to war. So... That's where we started. We're incredibly successful at that and have grown 77, 78 years later to be a charity, an international charity that um, brings um, labour into the UK to work on farms and also sends volunteers all over the world to help out on projects. And as far as the getting labour into farms in the UK, of course, we know about the, the issues uh, following Brexit and so on. And now we've got uh, coronavirus uh, heaped on top of that. So the Feed the Nation programme, could you tell me a little bit about how that works? Feed the Nation is a campaign that is um, set up by Concordia, Hops and Fruitful Jobs. 
so three ethical labour providers, and we are driving a campaign to get interest in the British public to try and harvest fruit and veg on, in farms at the moment. So we set up the campaign seven days ago. We've had over 10,000 people interested, and we're now working our way through the interviews, making sure that people can be put on the right farm, doing the right job in an area that works for them. How many people are you looking for? The sector needs 90,000 roles filled every single year in agriculture to do the harvesting and the picking and everything else. Really big, scary number. That's usually 60,000 people because um, a lot of Eastern European workers that come in are quite flexible. They might start off with asparagus in Herefordshire, strawberries in Scotland, and then come down maybe to Kent for apples. So generally 60,000 people are needed, but it could be more depending on the flexibility of the workforce we get this summer. And most of those are almost certainly not going to be able to come over to this country unless uh, coronavirus clears itself very, very quickly. So you're looking for British workers to apply, yeah? We're looking for people that are motivated and are able to take on a job to work on a farm. So anyone that is able to is really, really sort of pushed and requested to apply if they can. The key is that at this very moment, April um, looks tricky. So we are looking for people that probably would start jobs end of April into May. I mean, we look out the window and the weather is, is pretty great at the moment. However, we're going to end up with um, strawberries becoming ripe probably in May, and that's going to be the big bulk. So we'll, we'll need asparagus pickers in April, and then really the drive in the UK, our season starts in May, with all of the berries starting to, to need to be picked. Are you looking for any particular skills in these people? Absolutely not. We're not looking for any particular skills apart from motivation. Farms um, are very used to having people arrive on their farms with, with no prior training, with no prior experience of agriculture even. So as long as somebody's motivated, is willing to go through the training, and it is hard. You know, you could be bending down, harvesting a salad or picking a strawberry and putting it in a tray. So it can feel, you know, back-breaking, at least in the beginning, while your muscles get used to it. So the absolute key is motivation so that as farms invest in training of these, these staff members, then they can also then earn um, good money as they go through the season. And the, the fundamental question for listeners who are interested in uh, taking this on, how can they get information? Where can they find out what they need to know? Either Google Feed the Nation or to go on to uh, the Concordia website, so concordia.org.uk, or the HOPS website, hopslaboursolutions.co.uk. So they're the two sites, and all of those um, emails and all of those uh, application forms are then shared between the three ethical labour providers that were in a a consortium, so Fruitful Jobs, Concordia and Hops. Stephanie Morell, CEO of Concordia. The website for more information is concordia.org.uk slash feed hyphen the hyphen nation. Stephanie, thank you. Time to accompany Sean Sparling from a distance in the fields. Morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Steve. It is a difficult one. I'm sure the people are out there, but it's whether they're skilled tractor drivers and machinery operators and aware of the implications of working in amongst large groups of unskilled people, the health and safety implications. But if this last few months has showed us anything at all, it's how adaptable to change we are and how able we are to take the bull by the horns and deal with the issues that life is throwing at us. I've no doubt that this particular bull is uh, just another one we can grab the horns and sort it out as well. I'm sure we'll deal with those issues with a lack. 
So we've had a dry week and a necessarily dry week. We needed it to be dry. We've got a lot of spring barley, spring wheat, spring oats, beans, sugar beet. All of those things have gone in the ground. I've actually now got some sugar beet up in rows out near Navenby. Spring barley poking through, spring wheat poking through. And we needed that dry week to get these crops in the ground. It's only a couple of months ago I was seriously wondering whether we were going to have a harvest this year um, and now it looks like we are so thank goodness for that now you are coming to the end of usefulness for drilling spring wheat and you're getting there for spring barley you're getting plenty late enough don't fall into the trap that some did a couple of years ago in that dry spring of 2018 when we were still drilling spring barleys and spring wheats towards the middle to the end of april it just won't finish spring wheat's very good at looking at you and smiling and telling you everything's perfect all the way through to harvest and you spend your money on it because you believe it and you put your fertilizers and you nitrogen and your, your fungicides and your herbicides on and it's telling you it'll be fine and you believe it and then you get the harvest and it all wasn't because it looked good but it didn't perform so um, just be aware I think you're getting there now with spring wheat you're, you're running out of time with spring barley as well if you're putting pre-ems on remember what I've said make sure they're deep enough and they're covered with avidex granules triolate granules spring barley will metabolize the triolate gas to a much higher extent than spring wheat will so you're less likely to see a problem on a spring barley crop but spring wheat's very different. And if your seed bed consists of a rock hard layer with some seed scattered on it and then some Brussels sprout sized clods hiding the seed, that's not good enough to use uh, Avidex granules on, nor is that good enough for flufenoset based herbicides. Um, they need to be able to soak into a layer of tilth and they're not going to get that in those situations. This is what you pay your agronomist for. Get them to come out and have a look and make that decision for and with you. That's what they're there for. That's what I'm doing every day of the week. Now fields of spring wheat and spring barley, which went in a week ago have baked like concrete particularly where people had 10 ton sets of rolls going across them but on the heavier land which was wet at the time a week that we've just had and it's set it like concrete you can't even dig through that top layer with your pocket knife so we do need a little drop of rain i bet one of my clients on the 14th of february when he was moaning it was never going to stop raining he didn't want to see rain again i bet him a jam tart that he would be saying before my birthday on the 8th of may we could soon do with a drop of rain and not only has he said that this week but every other customer of mine has said the same and we really could just to break that little top crust which has formed on some of these seed beds but we always need rain and we always get it when we don't want it we never get it when we do want it so we're learning to work with the weather in this country there's nothing we can do so stop moaning um Spring oats going in the ground now. It's warm enough. And the same goes for peas and beans. The soil temperature is now in the high sevens, low eights. If you're putting spring oats in, aim to establish around 300 plants a square metre. It does tiller quite well. Um, but you do get much higher losses in spring oats than you will with any other spring cereal. And knowing your 1,000 seed weight, so you can calculate your 1,000 grain weight into that seed uh, rate it's absolutely crucial the difference between 31,000 seed weight and a 41,000 seed weight is about 30 kilograms per hectare of seed so make sure you're putting enough seed on and you're not overdoing it and don't just think your neighbor's doing that we'll do the same because unless your thousand seed weight's the same as your neighbor's you're probably not doing the right thing now as with all of these spring cereals um roll them once they're up you can roll them once they're up you'll make them tiller better once they're into tillering and you can roll a spring cereal right up until the end of tillering and not damage it but do stay away from the frost by five days and stay away from any herbicides liquid fertilizers etc as well by three or four days at least in these crops because that's when you get the crop damage if you've damaged the lipid layer and then you put something caustic on that's when you cause crop scorch they should grow out of it but you just why risk it
As I say, I've got my first sugar beet up in rows. I left my first post-stem herbicide the other day. So sugar beet is moving quite nicely. Winter wheat, a lot of septoria, stem-based browning, a lot of yellow rust out here in the fields, in, in most varieties from Kerrin right through to Graham. I shall be using a Strob CTL plus manganese magnesium as my T0 to try and get these crops to shift. Um, and again, five days clearer rolling is key as well with this one. I've seen some wheat bulb fly out there. I've seen frit fly in the field. Grain aphids now I'm starting to find in winter wheat and spring barley so here we go again it'd be lovely if the swallows came i'm just thinking steve once the swallows get here nothing seems quite as bad as it did the day before the swallows came so fingers crossed for the swallows and listening to the news the other day it's good to hear that the premiership footballers are still getting paid their full weekly salaries so few at least the world is right in that quarter eh um so let's see what the next seven days bring sir Without a hint of sarcasm, Sean Swallow, Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services, back with more agronomy advice next week. Most, if not all, this summer shows have sadly fallen victim to coronavirus and the seminars, demonstrations, competitions and most of all the burgers and camaraderie will be really missed by all of us. So, what can we do? The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Cereals was due to take place in June, as usual. However, like so many summer, county and agricultural shows, it's not going to happen this year. Well, not in its traditional form. Olivia Cooper from AgriHub. You must be so disappointed at having to cancel this year's event. It is absolutely gutting. Um, The team and the exhibitors and the host farmer had all done so much work to bring it together. Um, but obviously, you know, all of the other events are in the same position, um, having to postpone because of the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, but we were just determined that we wanted to deliver all of that content for the industry. So we're taking it all online. So what can we expect from Serials Online? So the aim is to reproduce everything that the physical event has to offer as much as possible over the same two days in June, the 10th and 11th of June. Uh, the idea is that people will be able to click on an interactive map they can click and see working demonstrations for the sprays and sprayers arena. They can visit um, exhibitors and um, new product launches, press briefings. We're going to have a live chat so we can facilitate interactive discussions between exhibitors and visitors. Uh, we're taking the seminar program online. So through a webinar, top speakers will be covering everything from the impact of coronavirus on trade to new plant breeding technologies. Uh, adapting to climate change, digital innovation, uh, agricultural career options, all sorts of different topics. Um, and this will enable farmers to and professionals to get the CPD points which they need, which will be more difficult to get this year, obviously. The seminars have always been such an important part of cereals, haven't they? For those less tech-savvy, explain what you mean by webinar. So we're going to make it as easy as we possibly can for people. They will be sent a link and they will just click on the link to register for the webinar. And this means they can then view it on their phone or their tablet or their computer. They will be able to listen to the speakers giving their presentations. And there will be live chats so they can type in questions on their keyboard and uh, we'll make it as, as interactive as we possibly can. It's going to need to be as easy as you can make it, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. We're, we're, we're determined to make it as, as straightforward as possible because this is new to, to everybody. I mean, just for us, it's new for us delivering an online event and it will be new, obviously, to all of our visitors. Uh, so, yeah, that is, that is absolutely key, is, is making it as straightforward as possible and we will, 
we will send um, very kind of step-by-step -step instructions for people so that they can um, access it very, very easily on those two days. When we come to the traditional show, we register in advance, Olivia. Will that be the case for the online show too? It might be of benefit for them to register in advance. So we will be um, putting out the links and sending the instructions early so they can have a bit of a practice and uh, so they, they, they're confident that they know they can get online and they can they can access all of this content that we're going to be putting for, for them. When does it happen and how can we visit? So it will be happening on the same days as the physical event was going to be taking place. That's the 10th and 11th of June. And it will be hosted on the Serials website, which is serialsevent.co.uk. And people will be able to click on the link and register, as I say, in advance. And then they will be able to access it over those whole two days. And we will also be videoing the content. So we will hopefully make it available to people afterwards as well. Olivia Cooper from AgriHub, thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to Serials Online. Serials is not the only show beating the lockdown by going online. David Hill is a farmer and whilst lamenting the disappearance of this year's summer shows, decided to do something about it. And so was born the greatest online agricultural show. David, how did the idea come about? I came up with the idea over breakfast and um, made the mistake of telling my Twitter feed about it rather than actually thinking about it first. Um, but it's intended to be a, um, a show not to replace the agricultural shows that we've got, but to give those shows and also the traders who would have gone to those shows a bit of a bit of a window um, to be able to connect with the outside world. Um, and also just mindful of the fact that so many people in our community, the agricultural community, are missing out on those quite essential um, opportunities to meet up and chatter and all the rest of it. Um, so I figured, well, maybe we could try and do it online. And so that's where, we've, that's where we've all started. Now, one of the big things about agricultural county shows is actually, as you say, getting together and seeing things and touching animals and so on. How are you going to do that online? We're working on it. Um, I've got um, mine's far more technical than mine, um, looking at ways of achieving that. Um, but fundamentally, we've got things like a beer tent, um, which is going to be a sort of hosted chat forum where people can get together and chat and um, talk about things that people normally talk about at the bar. Um, but also we're trying to get um, through Twitter feeds and through Facebook feeds, we're trying to offer livestock classes and competitions and all those sorts of things where people can actually get involved. Um, again, we're working on the detail of that, but um, it'll be quite interactive. Um, people can vote on cattle classes and stuff with a bit of, bit of guidance. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. You mentioned in your, your Twitter feed that you're trying to raise some money for some worthy causes as well. What are those worthy causes? Uh, they are RABI, um, RSABI, which is the, um, the Scottish equivalent. Um, so, sorry, RABI being the Royal Agricultural Benevolence Institution um, and RSABI. Um, Farmers Community Network, Farming Community Network, um, YANA. Um, and the DPJ Foundation. Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, very, very worthy causes, all of which could do with some help at the moment. Absolutely. They've, you know, they've, they've, they're going to be working harder than ever because this is a tough time, not only in agriculture, but for people in rural communities. Um, but also, they've lost their opportunities to do a lot of their usual fundraising activities over the summer. So, it's a, it's a tough time for them.
Absolutely. What's your connection with the agricultural community? I'm an estate manager. I look after a couple of estates in Berkshire. Um, I have grew up working in, on family farms and farms belonging to family friends of ours. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's sort of in the blood, I suppose. And you have this crazy idea, which seems to have taken off rather more quickly, possibly, than you anticipated. Yes, I shouted about it before I really thought about it. Um, but what it's shown is that... Um, our industry, the agriculture industry, really needs this at the moment. They've really got behind it, championed it, come up with all sorts of ideas to make it better, um, make it bigger, um, and we're just trying to make sure that that happens because I think um, I think we have to deliver it. We've got 1,600 followers on Twitter and we've just gone over 2,000 followers on Facebook, so we've got a quite big big following. Um, I'd love to reach it out to beyond the agricultural world because this is really a, an open show for everyone to be involved and really showcase what we do. When's it taking place? Uh, it's happening on the 2nd of uh, May, which is a Saturday um, just before, because the May Day bank holiday's been moved. It'll be the week before that on the Saturday. Um, time's to be announced, but it should be an all-day event. And to find out more details about this, where do we go? Twitter or Facebook, or have you got uh, a website? We will have a website very soon at the moment. Everything is on Twitter and Facebook. Um, so if you search for the greatest online agricultural show, on either of those, um, or our Twitter handle is um, Online Ag Show. Um, you'll find all the information on there, how to get involved. Uh, it's entirely free to enter for, for punters. Um, trade stands, we're just asking for a tenner towards charity just to get a, get a site on the showground, and um, yeah, it should be fun. We'll be watching and webinaring, if that's a word, with interest, but I'll still miss the burgers. Thanks to Olivia and David. Now let's take a look at the markets. Kit Dickinson's on the phone from Openfield. Morning, Kit. Well, good morning, Steve. This week has seen another USDA report publishing planting areas. This is one of the more important yearly USDA report days, with quarterly stocks and prospective plantings being released for wheat, corn and soybeans. It was somewhat uneventful, with the only surprise being from the corn perspective. The acreage that are forecast is 97 million, as opposed to the 94.3 beforehand. It is, however, thought that farmers will be unlikely to fill these intentions due to the lack of bioethanol demand with oil prices where they are. The next acreage report we will see from the USDA will be at the end of June. The U.S. markets were on their heels after a bullish USDA report. This led to the sell of Matif and London wheat, as the markets give back some of their COVID-19 premium. London wheat, November 20, seemed to be sold off a bit more aggressively for old crop than new crop, and we have seen the spread between old and new crop tightening, finishing at £9 and 25p down. Weather will now start to move towards the front and centre in traders' minds with these USDA reports now out of the way, but this is the new environment we are living in, and much different than last year's Midwest floods. Ukraine's biggest grain traders agreed on Monday that the economy ministry proposal to limit wheat exports of 20.2 million metric tonnes will be restricted to avoid domestic bread prices. Although the Ukraine is a major grain exporter and its harvest largely exceeds domestic consumption, the coronavirus pandemic has led to some countries considering feed export restrictions across the board. Moving on to all-seed rape this week, Strategy Grains on Monday cut its forecast of vegetable oil demand in the EU this season as a lockdown to slow the spread of coronavirus forced consumers to forego restaurants and drive less. Vegetable oil prices plummeted in the past month following the collapse in crude oil prices and slowed down the global economy due to the containment measures. Such restrictions have cut car use, reducing consumption of diesel fuel, including biodiesel that uses vegetable oil. 
Barley, the barley market hasn't been affected by currency firming or the USDA report as much as the wheat market has. Barley has lost four to five pounds compared to the ten to twelve pounds on wheat. As many of us suspected, the malting barley premium has now eroded away and feed barley values are the same as malting. The question is, how long will this last? It could potentially be all year if the quantity and the quality of the crop is as big as we are predicting. In Lincolnshire, we are now circa 90% drilled on spring barley, now aided by the prolonged spell of good weather. But with little to no rain in the long-term forecast, this could prove to be a problem in the coming weeks. The end of the 2019 and the start of the 2020 year have seen extreme weather conditions, and the last thing we need at this stage is a drought. So moving on to prices this week, feed wheat for April is 149 to 151, with no carry going forward to May at the same prices of 149 to 151. November new crop 159 to 161, and May 21 is 166 to 168. Old crop milling premiums are currently 25 to 27 pounds. Oilseed rape is 301 to 303 for April, and May a small carry 303 to 305. And November new crop still nothing exciting at 305 to 307 pounds ex the farm. Feed barley for April 126 to 128. Again, limited carry to May at 126 to 128. November new crop 130 to 132, and May 21 136 to 138. And to confirm, malting barley premiums are currently not available. Thanks, Kit. Kit Dickinson from Openfield, keeping an eye on the markets for us and reporting back on the farming programme next week. The farming programme, five day forecast. And so to the week's weather. Looks like a very dry week, high pressure for the middle of the week and moderate southerly winds bringing some warmth and a good bit of sunshine. Today could well see temperatures up to around 17 Celsius by late afternoon. Winds from the south getting a bit gusty at times but staying dry, mild overnight into Monday. Winds veering to westerly, stay moderate and maybe a shower or two but that's pretty much all the rain we'll see this week. A little bit cooler than Sunday, with a high around 15 Celsius. Tuesday sees the wind turn back to the south, quite gentle though, dry and sunny with a high of 14 Celsius. Wednesday and Thursday, gentle southerly winds. Maybe a shower on Thursday, but staying mild, with temperatures getting up to around 19. Pressures dropping back to normal, and the winds are rather more unpredictable by Friday. That's your farming programme for this week. Available online and from the app in just a moment or two. I'm Steve Orchard. Have as good a week as you can. Stay safe and stay positive.